Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Ali Eakin. This is the Rugby Tonight podcast. Ugo, we're in Hampshire, aren't we? Tadley RFC. And yeah. this is um, this is a place that isn't altogether unfamiliar to you. No, I, uh, I went to a school, Lord Wandsworth College, not too far from here. Um, no one will know that I went there, but they'll know Johnny Wilkinson went there. <laughs> and he turned out all right, did he? Oh, you'd be up on the honours board somewhere, <laughs> mate. Um, we're delighted to be here, obviously. And we're going to preview the, uh, the big weekend of the Six Nations. England's attempting to get their campaign back on track in Paris. Against the French, we're going to hear from the England camp a little later on, but I think we'll get stuck into some of the big news stories. First up, Oogs, um, should we deal with George North? Um, it's been it's been pretty messy, hasn't it, on all fronts? I'm not sure if anybody comes out of this looking good. What's your take on it? Uh, I, I, I'm of the opinion that I don't think anyone's done anything all that wrong, but then lots of <laughs> but then lots could have been done better. Alan Gaffney coming out in his press conference after the game to speak so publicly and so poorly about one of his players, one of his contracted players, um, just goes to show that all communication and trust has probably been broken down at this stage. He pretty um, much said he didn't want to play. Yeah, as simple as that. But to my understanding, George North had an agreement with Jim Mallander, um, which allowed him not to play during those fallow weeks. Interestingly enough, he played in the last fallow week, but I guess he needed the game time to play for Wales. And it's understandable of any player to, for the Six Nations to monopolise your thoughts. As harsh as that may sound to any supporter, I know clubs pay the wages, but the Six Nations, all that matters if you're a current international. So I get it. I can understand why Gaffney's frustrated. I, to be honest, the people feel most sorry for the supporters because no one's come out and said anything. But relationship seems to have broken down. I mean, are you expecting to see George North play for Northampton again? No, I don't think so at all. I think it's done, isn't it? Um, he's, he's off. We know that at the end of the season he's off. But when those sorts of comments are said the way they're said as well, you just get the feeling that it, it won't be long before he, he leaves perhaps a little earlier. I mean, comments like this, which is from Alan Dickens, said it was decided that George wasn't in a place that he was mentally ready to play for us at the weekend. It's a long way back from there, isn't it? Yeah, it's a long way back. And then you've got... Um, Warren Gatland today coming out and saying that if we can help him or expedite his move back to Wales, um, then we'll certainly do that. I mean, it just smells like the, you know, the, <laughs> everything's in motion. Um, I reckon he'll, he'll play the next couple of games for Wales and, and he'll be off. Um, to come back into an environment where your coach has publicly embarrassed you, it's going to take a lot to really regain his trust. It's sad in a way, isn't it? Um, because... 
you mentioned the Saints fans, but they thought that they had a world beater on their hands when he signed for them. And he's had his moments. Don't 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 get me wrong. He's had some stellar moments in a in a Saints shirt. But I can't help but try and shake the feeling that he should have probably produced more for them. I just feel like there's a lot that that hasn't happened for George North at Northampton. I know injuries have played a part. Concussions too. Yeah, of course. I, I, I completely get what you're saying. Would George North, when he looks back on his career at Northampton, would he be fully satisfied of everything? Probably not. I think he would have liked to have played more. But I think the interesting thing is, is that when you're essentially owned by the union, so Irish Rugby Union, Welsh Rugby Union, you have your minutes and everything else monitored. You don't get that in the Premiership. And that transition takes a period of time. He's gone from playing 12, 15 games a season to turning out Premiership week in, week out. We know how competitive and how tough that league is, as well as Champions Cup and everything else that goes with it. So I'd say his workload has increased a massive amount, which has probably created the injury mess which he's found himself in the last couple of years. Hence why he's probably so keen to go back to Wales where they'll look after him a little bit better. That's not saying Northampton staff haven't looked after him, physio department, everything else. Just by nature of what the Premiership is, it's a far greater slog than the Pro 14. It's just a shame, isn't it, that we're going to see, well, inevitably we're going to see a departure, whether it's premature or not. Um, and the way it's been handled, the way it's played out in the, in the press, it's just quite unsavoury. It's a real airing of dirty laundry, isn't it? Yeah, it's not right. Um, I'll just say to, to Alan Gaffney, he wants to check any kind of small print of Dan Bigger's contract coming next yeah. year. You know? Yeah, it might be worth a look. <laughs> Make sure that he's available to play those fellow. He's expecting to be with Wells, but hey, you just never know. So, uh, but yeah, a, a bit of a shame. Okay, well, that's George North done and dusted. I mean, we, we'll talk obviously about some of the England injuries. We know this week they've lost um, Jack Knoll, they've lost Sam Underhill as well. But better news is that Ben Youngs is set for a comeback um, next month at some point in April. How much do you think England have missed Ben Youngs? Um, I'd say a little bit, not a little bit, I'd, I'd say quite a lot. Um, ben Young's and Danny Kerr are combinations that work so perfectly. Ben Young's m more, more often than not starting and Danny coming off the bench. And I look at the Six Nations and I just don't think England's bench have had the impact which it has in previous times. Is that because of the injuries? Danny, is he able to do what he does off the bench from the start? I'm not quite sure, but... Um, I guess it's evident to say that the little that Eddie Jones has used Richard Wigglesworth just goes to show that there is a bit of a, not a bit of a drop-off, quite a big drop-off between Ben and Danny to then Wigglesworth as a guy who's been drafted into camp at the, at the 12th hour, who's had to get to speed and then play at international intensity, something he's not done in a long while. But great news to hear that Ben's coming back within the next month. He was due to be out for the season. Let's face it, Leicester who've all of a sudden found their mojo again, have got one of their superstars back, will certainly help their cause. Yeah, they'll be thrilled about that. I just wonder how much it's kind of, aside from the, the, the sadness of not having him available, it's like, it seems to have slightly muddled Eddie Jones' thinking a little bit at nine, because obviously he brought in Wigglesworth, who was a broadly similar player to Ben Youngs, but as you mentioned, the dynamics of who's coming off the bench, who's finishing games, and without having a, a Robson say as part of the setup. He was, he was basically robbed of the ability to bring on a like-for-like like off the bench a la care. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It'll be interesting to see what he does this weekend. Eddie's today, um, the time of recording this, I think it's Wednesday, he's already been saying that it's going to be a slogfest out in France, due for heavy rain, heavy ground, all the rest of it. Well, by his words, 
the game's ready-made for Wigglesworth to start then, surely. Um, a kicking game, a kicking battle, which England, you have to win if you go away from home. So you wonder if he then sends Danny to the bench, but then what that does for him mentally, you know, this is his moment. I'm not quite sure, but essentially every player, fit or not, let's talk about the living and not the dead. There's plenty enough for them to be able to go out and uh, win out in Paris. Yeah, you sound like Todd Blackadder. <laughs> I've heard that line from Todd Blackadder about 15 times this season. It's a good one, in fairness. It is a good one. Uh, right, Scotland, they brought back, he's not starting, but they brought back John Hardy into the fold. They've got a surfeit, seemingly, of, uh, of extraordinary flankers, haven't they? He's in the, in the same mould as the likes of Hamish Watson and, uh, and John Barkley, ball winning. Um, Transfers. Quite a few of them have come through over the course of the last week or so. We learnt that Tom Vandell is heading to uh, the Scarlets on loan. Ben Tapua is moving from Bath to Quinns. Uh, Juan Pablo Sassino to Edinburgh from the Falcons. John O'Lance is going back to Worcester, which is interesting. He was very successful, that short spell that he had um, for the Warriors earlier in the season. And, and similarly with Worcester, um, they released Sam Vesti, who's been this very young, very dynamic uh, backs coach, and he's now joining Saints, and Neil Doak is coming in at six ways. Of course, the, the, the management at, at uh, Worcester seems to change almost daily, but Alan Solomons <laughs> is, is in charge at the moment with Rory Duncan coming in as head coach next season. He seems to be the anointed one. The thing that interests me there, Oogs, is that Sam Vesti is, a, is still a very young man. He's, he's been out of the game playing-wise for only, what, three years yep. or so, and yet his stock has risen very quickly, hasn't it? Yeah, he certainly has. He's had great experience with a bit of Worcester, um, with the 20s. I think he toured with... England to Argentina yes, last summer as well. So a vast amount of experience. As to Worcester releasing him, I'll tell you, it's a blessing in disguise. He goes to Northampton, works with the likes of Bigger, Horn, Naivaro on one wing. You know, he's got some quality there as well as Harry Malander. So um, I think it's a great move for him and a great coup for uh, Northampton. Uh, an interesting call that that appointment presumably has been made either exclusively by or at least in union with Chris Boyd, who is arriving at Northampton, as we know, from the Hurricanes next season. So whether Sam Vesti has, a, has a, a previous relationship in some way with Chris Boyd, I don't know, certainly, but perhaps he does. But I think it's a, a great credit to Sam Vesti at this point in his career that a bloke on the other side of the planet has decided that he wants him as part of his coaching setup. That's a massive feather in his cap, you know. He couldn't have stayed at Worcester, doesn't have the right passport, does he? But he's off to Northampton. <laughs> and, and we all know, we all know, joking aside, <laughs> passport gags aside, we all know how important it is to have premiership savvy in your coaching staff, which is something that perhaps might concern Worcester supporters because they've got a South African at the helm at the moment, albeit with premiership experience in Solomons. A South African coming from the Cheetahs, one season of Super Rugby uh, with the Cheetahs, um, Rory Duncan, and Neil Doak, who's, who's obviously been involved at, at Ulster. So um, for Saints to have, whether they keep other members of the staff at the moment on board, we don't know. But for Saints to have that premiership now is going to be key, isn't it, when Chris Boyd does arrive? Absolutely. Just help bed in, get that shared mental mindset across the summer and hit the ground running. That's exactly what Northampton, everyone involved in the club, will want. So, Hugo, France-England on Saturday is big. I mean, it's always big, isn't yeah. it? But it feels extra big on the basis of what happened at Murrayfield, certainly from an England perspective. It certainly does. Uh, an opportunity for these guys to right the wrongs of what happened at the Calcutta Cup. It's the first time England have lost a game and still been in tournament. The last time they lost was Ireland and they were dispersed back to their club. So I spoke to one of the lads earlier. He says, it's quite a weird 
weird feeling. We've never had to deal with this as a collective. So, but I guess it's the beauty of sport, and I know it's cliche, but you get to find out about yourself. You get together, and you have to work hard. You've got to be brutally honest as to your individual failings and where you failed as a team, whether that be in problem-solving or performance. And then you look at the positives and you lean upon them to give you confidence to go out to, to Paris. Um, France have been in a bad place, really. I mean, their last so their result against Italy was their first win in just under a year. Yeah, and they were still like shocking, <laughs> weren't they? I mean, let's be honest, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they put them away ultimately, but they were shocking. Yeah, so the, you, they're, they're coming up against a team that aren't performing well, got a nugget of, of hope off the back of that Italy game. Some players really stood out. Bastro's fantastic. Teddy Thomas, well, he's been a naughty boy and he's not included. Yeah, and, and the rest of them, they're, they're all on the naughty step still, aren't they? Jacques Brunel's been, been pretty punchy in that respect. He's punchy, but I guess with any coach, the one thing you want to do as a brand new coach is get the culture right. And if he felt as if those guys were, you know, doing everything against what he believes in, then he's just dislocating away from the squad. And saying that, as you've already said, it is a big call because some of those guys are world beaters. But from an English perspective, I can't wait to see what kind of reaction we're going to see. I really can't. I'd, if I was in that England camp now, I'd be so fired up. You've taken two weeks of a battering. There's nothing worse in the Six Nations than having a loss on the back, or sorry, then going forward to follow it because you don't have a game automatically yeah. to fix it. You've got to so wait. Stewing on this for two weeks. So I expect to see an energy, a focus, a physicality, and a precision to go out and try and blow France away. That's one thing saying it's another thing doing it. France pumped up at home, 80,000, Stade de France. It's a tough place to go. Where do you think the key, the key areas are? Well, I think the back row needs needs sorting, clearly, and we were talking a little bit beforehand, weren't we, about whether they're going to face the same sort of challenge at the breakdown in Paris as they did in Edinburgh. Yeah. I mean, the way that, that at, um, Hamish Watson and John Barkley played and McAnally, particularly over the, over the ball, I mean, they just didn't give England a sniff, and of course, as discussed, ad nauseam, England didn't really respond very well and didn't work it out quickly enough. Yeah. So, the question is, do the French pose a similar threat? And therefore, um, does Eddie Jones have to make some sort of tweak and adjustment to that back road to be able to, A, combat the speed of the French ball, and B, start winning some ball of their own? Yeah, there's definite merit in that. Um, we were talking earlier some of the stats. So France have won the most amount of turnovers in the Six Nations with Scotland 15 twice, more than any other team in the Six Nations. So at the breakdown, it's going to be a massive thing especially if it's wet, the ability to generate fast, slow ball to fast ball is going to be really tough. But I don't think it's just responsibility for the back row. There's many ways you can combat people trying to pilfer your ball, and that's winning the game line. So does he go for a bit of extra ballast? Sam Simmons, um, who was on the bench against Exeter, he's now fit. Does he come straight back into it? Or does Eddie Jones then try and manufacture a bench in the last 30 that can come on? And he said the pitch is going to be heavy. Well, if you can run the legs of France and then bring on a Simmons, bring on a, a Daly or whoever it might be off that bench, then you've got... I, I don't know. I, I think you've orchestrated a 23 in a really good manner. Um, I do think that the, the one problem they've got, obviously, the, the immediate instance is they've lost Sam Underhill for yeah. this week. Yeah. And I appreciate that he wouldn't necessarily have been able to wave a magic wand if he'd come on a, against the Scots earlier. But he would have gone some way to negating the, yes. the threat that the, that the Scottish back row were offering. So with Underhill out of the equation, 
does he go again with Laws, Robshaw and, and Hughes? Or does he look for a bit more dynamism with Simmons? Or does he look at James Haskell and go, right, well, you've done it on plenty of occasions in the past. Go and do it again. It feels like it's a game made for Haskell. He hasn't been at his best no, this hasn't. season. And let's just be honest about it. He'd say exactly the same. Um, but a big... Only a, fizz- bit, only a bit longer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big physical presence. And if the like, if Dylan Hartley's not fit and leadership, which looked like a bit of a problem in, in Murrayfield or Edinburgh, sorry, well, James Haskell certainly has that. He might not be the most eloquent of speakers. He might not rally the troops in the change room. But in terms of his actions on the pitch, he's a ferocious tackler. And that side of the ball, in terms of stopping people dead, your bastaros on the gain line, you're going to need that. I'm intrigued as to what he's always going to do in the back line. George Ford's not been firing. Does he move Owen Farrell to 10? I mean, that's huge. That that is a a huge, huge question, isn't it, for Eddie Jones? Because hitherto, he has backed that pairing in the midfield, rain or shine. And so for him to abandon that now, or or even tweak it, maybe I'm using emotional language when I talk about (laughs) abandonment, but, uh, but it would be a very, very significant step because he's never done it before. Um, no, no, you're right. Um, for an entire game. Yeah, and Eddie Jones doesn't like the media talking about his team, but it's a topic. And that's, that's your meat done. Yeah, that's, yeah not invited to Penny Hill again. <laughs> but I, I would start Tio. I would. I'd start Tio, I'd start foul, and then I'd look 50, 60 minutes, depending on how the game's going, to add a bit of pace into it. I'd take Tio off, I'd bring on Ford and Farrell and try and expose France to the legs. At Murrayfield, France looked tired in the last 20 minutes and it manifested itself into penalties. Greg Laidlaw started knocking them over. I'm not sure whether France have the fitness to be able to match England. And if Eddie Jones loads his bench full of pace, then that could be a real point of difference for them this weekend. Well, you talk about the possible inclusion of T.O. How significant will it be that Bastereau is in there doing the sort of things that Bastero does. Because if you, I mean, with the best will in the world, we know how brave he is. Bastero will run at George Ford all day long. Uh, he won't get so much change out of Ben Teo, No, he won't. I mean, Sonny Bill had a crack at him and he ended up going backwards. I won't say what I was going to say, but you know exactly what I mean. But it's not just Bastero, it's Bastero in combination with the French pack. And we know Slimani, he's one of the best operators at tired in the world. He will get them a stable platform. So, in fact, if he gets them a stable platform slash slight nudge, he could completely negate England's flanker at seven, and all of a sudden you've got Basra at 20 stone of a run-up at George Ford at anyone. You'd really struggle to tackle him on the game line. So I think you meet fire with fire, and you pack Ben Teo in there and say, mate, your sole job on Saturday is to get us game line and to stop him. And, and, and there is also merit, isn't there, in, in seeing it, seeing Farrell and Tio operate together. Because if they're going to win the World Cup in 2019, which is their stated aim, then they have to see these different combinations in the white heat of battle, don't they? Because you can't go through another Six Nations campaign. I mean, time is ticking. The clock is on, is on that World Cup now. It's not that far away. So at some point, Jones has got to see, see it in action, hasn't he? Yeah, it's a good opportunity. And let's face it, this summer to South Africa, that would be another opportunity. But I doubt 
I doubt if Farrell's going to go out there. I mean, his workload the last few years, he's going to have to rest some of these players. So this is a primed opportunity to be able to see whether that combination works. There's absolutely no reason why it shouldn't do. They're both quality players are playing at the highest level. It would be a great choice, um, and it would send a message to France from, day, from, from, from minute one. We're coming, we're going to be physical, we're going to try and bully you, we're going to stop everything you've got. Well, we talked a lot about selection. Eddie Jones inevitably has been chatting away this week. Uh, surprise, surprise. He yeah. said that no player is indispensable, which of course led to everybody discussing the possibility of him getting rid of Ford for a, for a match or whatever. Is anybody indispensable in that England team? I, mean, I would argue that Farrell himself is indispensable and Billy when he's fit. Yeah, I'd agree with those two for any, sure. Any others? Uh, no. Hartley to Jones. To, to Jones, yeah. It would seem Hartley would be the third guy there, but I don't think any player should ever be indispensable. Clearly, and to coin a phrase Drew Lancaster said, like, there's lots of guys who've got credit in the bank. But when you put on an England shirt, you sign a contract for 80 minutes, sometimes 50, depending on what player you are. And that is it. So no one deserves the right to be playing in a shirt the next week. You've got to go out and prove it every week. And let's face it, we have got a wonderful player pool in this country. We've got loads of competition. And if you're not performing, I'm not safe for one game because anyone can have a bad game. I've had a few of those in my time. Sometimes you want to be given a chance to be able to prove it wrong. That's Eddie Jones' call as to whether he does that. But as to indispensable, yeah, foul will be top of the list, yeah. I think. And, and up until very recently, we'd have put Maru Itoji in that bracket, wouldn't we? Um, incredible on the Lions tour, um, so much so that he got his own chance. Yeah. 12,000 miles from home, not bad. Um, but he isn't quite himself at the moment. For my money, a lot of that is down to just being absolutely knackered. I mean, yeah. he's tired, surely, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, the only break he's had is an actual break to his face, and that's the only time he's been given off, <laughs> I mean, in, in how long? I mean, the guy has worked relentlessly hard. Um, I, I won't name who. Go on. But I, can't. <laughs> I, I played with a player, very good player. and um, Was it Johnny Wilkinson? It's it, it not Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> and he was suffering from a similar thing, and he was, I mean, proper good player. Went, he went on tour, came back, he was awful. I said, mate, what's happened to you? He went, oh, they're mad marking me out of the game. I was like, <laughs> mad marking me out of the game. I think Mauro has a greater self-awareness and will understand that he's not playing his best. I think his standards are so high. We expect so much from him yep, also. But on top of all of that, I mean, he won't make excuses, but part of the reasons are that he hasn't had a break. I'll tell you something, having a break just mentally refreshes you. I'm not saying he's not hungry, but you all of a sudden you get, you know, you're chasing people because you're not in the team and you want to get back and you get a bit of fire. Wait until you see Billy Vanapola come back. He's back fit in a few weeks. He's a guy that's had injuries throughout the last 18 months. He'll be like, in fact, I reckon that's the reason he got injured again because he was like a man possessed, running around trying to whack everyone. But Murray's just not had that opportunity. He's a guy that needs to get through this Six Nations, hopefully win a trophy of Saracens and then have a full summer off. He's 23 years old. He's on 20-odd caps. We want to see someone like him, 70, 80, and the rest. We need to preserve and look after him. And there's a few who are going to need some preservation. Yeah. I mean, Mako Vinopola is another, isn't Good he? I mean, he, 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 again, under normal circumstances, is, is exceptional. But I think he's just been a little bit off. We're not talking big margins, are we? But inevitably, it's going to catch up with them at some point or other. And if they're not just a little bit off the pace yep. in terms of form, 
they're getting injured. And witness those that have fallen by the wayside this season. George Cruz is another who just hasn't found his way back to, to Three his lines. best. Three lines. And if we're talking about these rock stars in England who are 5 10% off, we've just mentioned three in the pack. That there is a reason as to why England haven't performed as well, well they certainly didn't at, um, at the Calcutta Cup match a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, it's always a problem. I went on Lions Tour 09, came back, eight of us went, six of us had major surgery the season following. It's a slog. It, this game, I watch rugby today and I think, number one, it surely wasn't that physical when I did it because it looks so hard. I don't think I, well, I probably could to be fair. I'm in fairly decent shape. Um, <laughs> I think, I think we'll be the judge of that. And, and yes, you are, <laughs> annoyingly. But, uh, jokes aside, it's so demanding what these guys have to do. I mean, 10 years ago, to think of a loose head prop, 20 tackles, 20 carries in a game. That's what Mako's doing every week. Yeah. No matter what we expect that got. now, don't we? Yeah, anything else is like, oh, he's yeah. been lazy. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> really average. Um, okay, so, so quickly put you on the spot. I mean, do you, you expect England to, to beat the French? And do you expect it to be... Comfortable? I don't expect it to be comfortable. It'll never, it never will be. Regardless of how much better a team I think England are, being away from home. It's supposed to be hosing down as well. Isn't hosing it? down with rain, um, the emotional factor, which they lean upon at the Stade de France. And, and also, the other thing I'll just say is they're desperate. I tell you what, they beat England and their Six Nations has been okay. They've salvaged something. Off the field, everything else, they've salvaged something. So I expect it to be tight, but I do just think, because for the first time in a long time, this England team have been scrutinised. They've been torn apart to pieces. There's been overreactions from all around the world and Australia. Shock, horror. Yeah, surprise, surprise. I just think they'll just want to shut people up, draw a line under it, and then all roads lead to Twickenham against Ireland. I mean, <sighs> That's what I'd want. I'm sure the players want the same. I'm sure they do. So let's find out a little more about what England are up to this week. We sent Nick Mullins to Penny Hill Park to speak to James Haskell. Here's what he had to say. James, we don't know the team yet because we're still 48 hours away, but the fact that you're here suggests you might have some part to play at the weekend, which must be fabulous for you or I could be a distraction and uh, just a red herring you're never a distraction there. you're never a distraction it could be put out there just as a smoke screen um, look we, we don't know the team either um, the way we train is, is so unstructured in terms of people swapping in and out I, I don't know I, I, hopefully there's an opportunity for me you know we Eddie has his starters his finishers the last couple of weeks I've been a morale booster um, I created my own unique role uh, a with, bag with, holder a bag, yeah a bag holder a morale booster um, <laughs> you know it's a good week when you're issued a bib in your in your uh, in your kit and told not to read any into it. That's my favourite line that coaches use. You see the board and the, uh, whatever teams are like, don't read any into it. You're like, well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So you genuinely don't know whether you're no, playing yet? Or... No, no. He won't, you know, because you know, at club rugby level you, or at a premiership, you, the way you train is consistently trying to perform for the weekend. You've seen a load of training sessions. The team kind of is pretty clear. You go through a session. Here, it's controlled chaos. People swapping it in and out the whole time. You see the side, people on the side are running on with, with poles and bags, then you're onto another drill, then you're... You don't know. You've got, you know, there's, there's a vague idea, but again, anything can, anything can change. So, uh, whatever happens, I've loved the last kind of few weeks being involved with England again, having not been involved, and also, um, you know, if there's an opportunity to, put, to play, you know, against France in, in, in France, what more do you want? Did you fear that weeks like this might have gone? It's been 
almost a year since your last test. Yeah, I think I think you do. You know, I think um, you know, having you know played in that game against Ireland, Six Nations game. Um, you know, lucky enough to go on the Lions tour, but not you know not go to Argentina. Then miss the uh, the autumn internationals. You know, not through non-selection, and then to get involved here, even though I sort of handicapped myself with a slight ban um, before. It's um, yeah, it is very you know kind of you do have that fear. But once you're actually back in the mix and you understand how special it is, you, you love every moment of it. And I have genuinely, I've had a pretty hard uh, year in terms of rugby terms, in terms of obviously missing out, moving on from Wasp, whatever it might be. But actually being back in here, I feel very refreshed. I feel good and I've, I've smiled a lot and I've worked hard a lot as well. You've still got some test miles left on the club. 100%, 100%. That's what I keep, I keep telling Eddie that as well. I'm not sure he's listening. But. How does that, I know you're not going to tell us where you're going, but how does that impact on, on your thoughts about where you might be playing next season and the importance, therefore, of staying in the Premiership, I assume? Oh, it's my, it's my whole thoughts. You know, that's the, the only thought I've kind of got in my head is, is to, to, to want to stay in the Premiership, to want to, to, to play rugby here, to be involved in here. I think, you know, there's two lessons you learn. When you're out, you realise that actually the world doesn't end and that everything moves on and, and you know however much you'd like to save it like a video game you don't but also that there is life outside of, of international rugby rugby in general you know I've known it since I was kind of I was 16 but there's you know life is a is a rich tapestry of different things and there are um, many things outside of that but in terms of something that I enjoy something that a personal goal that I have to be involved with England at this stage is, is key and I, I believe that I can do something here you know do something positive add value um, not just be uh, you know a bag holder or, or baggage. I feel that I, I can add something, um, but for how long that lasts, it's not up to me. Otherwise, I, you know, I'll be picking myself every week. But um, you know, we'll see. But I'm glad I got an opportunity to come back in, even just to train. I know we're here to talk about England, but how close are you to be able to tell us where you are going to be playing? Next I'm still season? working through stuff at the moment. Um, you got offers on the table? Yeah, I've got a few you know a few different people that we we had conversations with. Again, it's just got to be the right situation. Obviously. Um, when you, the later you get down the line, there's lots of different considerations to, to kind of make. But I'm, I'm very positive that I'll, um, I'll get something sorted. So fingers crossed you are in the, in the squad this weekend. I assume you'll be brought back to try and sort out the breakdown, which was a bit of a bum fight up in Edinburgh. I think, I think I'll be honest with you, I, I believe this is kind of a bit of a, uh, an old school approach to, to viewing rugby, that the back row have to solely deal with the breakdown. I think now if you look at teams, so for, for example in the Premiership, Hardly any teams are putting people into breakdown. You've got 14 men on your feet the, the entire time. Um, at international level, everybody jackals and everybody uh, has, to, has to have the ability to clear out and deal with threats. It doesn't matter what number you've got on your shirt. It's a team, it's a team area. I think the back row do have responsibility in terms of you know, if that's your skill set to be able to compete at the breakdown. And obviously, more often than not, a back row player will be there at the first breakdown. But I think against you know certain teams, we've seen double jackal threats, which is you know you deal with the first man and other guys coming in. I think France will be very much the same as that. I think you know they've got uh, they do more jackal threats than anybody else. I think we as a team need to improve that kind of area. And I'm not um, just because I'm a back row player trying to sort of trying to wash my hands of it, but I, I do believe it's it's people who kind of sit in the pub who used to watch rugby believe that right if back row I've got to take back row it's. It doesn't work like that, you know. You, you, you kind of got to have the whole team focused on that 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 job. And you know, did we get it right? No, we obviously didn't. Is that something that we we will have to work very hard on? Yeah, and we've been doing it all week. How big a difference is it approaching a breakdown in a wasp shirt as opposed to a white England one? Does does it look different? Does it feel different? Um, yeah, I, I, it, it can do. I just think obviously because of the speed, because of the intensity going up, because of uh, especially, I think probably not even so much a, a wash shirt, but more an international shirt. You're, you're seeing guys compete at the breakdown far more. 
you know, just watch some of the Premiership games. You are getting guys who do get, do the competing, but a lot of times people are, are dumping and running, going, going, going. You've got so many people on your on your feet. You know, Scotland last team. You know, they put two guys into every single breakdown. They've got centres that compete for the ball. France very much so. You know, Bastero, I think, got two turnovers against Italy. You know, they've got a back row that loves to compete. You know, um, Gerardo, that the hooker loves to compete for the ball. You know, it, there's just guys all over the place that wanna that wanna. To cause disruption at the breakdown because I think at international level the ball is so prized that it's about trying to seize it back because teams are so well drilled, teams are as you know as fit as, as as each other. It's trying to get those inches and the breakdown is always a massive battle. When was the last time you travelled on public transport? <laughs> I asked that question earlier actually. Um, I actually, do you know, what? I travelled on a tube, the tube uh, about three or four months ago to. Um, I was doing a speaking event, so I, yeah, I travelled on the tube. Yeah. Do you get much hassle? Um, no. Um, How do you deal with people who give you jip? How would you have dealt with, with what Eddie went through a couple of weeks ago? Um, it's a fine line, I think, because um, you know, we live in a world now where uh, you're very accountable for your behaviour. We're, we're role models in what we have to do. And I think um, I'm always very happy, like, like Eddie is, to give time to people and speak to people. I think professional sport um, attracts, or any sport, attracts very passionate people who live and breathe through their through their sport, and I think that's what makes it so great. However, I think we, we lose sometimes uh, our, the, you know, the humanity in it. You know, people coming up, grabbing you, touching you, you know, having dinner with your missus, someone comes and sits down at the table. Have you had to count to 10 recently? Um, I, I don't ever count to 10, because pe- I think people are kind of normally quite good. Um, it's normally when people have had a few, few drinks that they lose, kind of lose perspective. I don't s- suffer from it normally. I think social media is, is probably, an even closer thing where people that's broken down the, the, the boundaries. I think what happened to Eddie was is just not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. I think especially for a guy that always gives time for people. I've seen him in my own eyes stopping and talking. I think we all do. I just hope that people understand that there's a balance. Just if I saw The Rock or someone else, you know, or Arnold Schwarzenegger, someone I wanted to stop and talk, I wouldn't go and put my arm around him. I wouldn't grab him. I probably wouldn't get within 10 feet of him because of security. But I would say, you know, excuse me, sorry, um, I wonder if I could please might get a photo with you. But people, you know, my bug is no manners. That's what I can't get my head around. But it, it is what it is. And um, I will go on public transport as and when required. We'll get you a tube, mate. There isn't a lot of public transport up in Northamptonshire, to be honest with you. So I, I can't. You're a man of the people, Hask. James Haskell in full flow at Penny Hill Park. Ugo, Ireland, Scotland, in Dublin. It's going to be a belter, isn't it? I mean, you look at this and you look at the matchups. you look at the way the Scots have been playing, uh, obviously last time out against England, and, and Ireland just seem to have very, very few holes in their armour. Where do you see this one going? My word. Um, it's, it's perfectly set up, isn't it? You've got Ireland who are still on course for a Grand Slam. You've got Scotland who have won the Calcutta Cup for the first time in 10 years and the country's still bouncing off, the fa- off that result. Um, but then I look at Scotland's away record and it's a concern. Um, I think the, last, the only team they beat away from home in recent years is Italy. So, I mean, they're 9 out of 10 at home, I think 50% away from home. It's not great. To be taken seriously in this competition and outside of the competition, you need to win away from home. So it's a completely different challenge. I think it would, I don't know, I I personally think Scotland can learn a lot of lessons from England. 
and how they came up and got blown away by the emotion of the occasion, the pace, the intensity, and not try and make that same mistake. Because they're now England going to Ireland. They're exactly It's that. a very similar dynamic, isn't it? It really is. And Ireland, my word, you talk about emotion of an occasion. We saw it Chicago against New Zealand. We know what the Aviva's like. They've got a proud record, everything to play for. They've got guys in that squad that have won the Six Nations, never won a Grand Slam. They're up against it, Scotland. But... Scotland will operate in 100% against England. Can they replicate that? And how difficult is it, as a, as a former player, you might be able to explain this, the emotional expenditure of the Calcutta Cup? I mean, they poured heart and soul into that, and, and like most teams in the Six Nations, it's, it's everything to beat England. We know how passionately they feel about that. How difficult is it to back up that emotion, to, to get yourself to the same pitch which they're going to need to in Dublin. Yeah, extremely tough. I think it's hard to relive the same emotion because automatic emotion is different. You're away from home. You don't have 60,000 Scots men and women cheering you on. You can't rely upon that. Um, so that's a huge factor in itself. Let's, last year, when um, Scotland beat Ireland at home, Robbie Henshaw, last minute, came into the side of the moor when it looked like they were just about to nick it. They were bouncing. It was parties, bank holiday in Scotland, bank holiday up in Edinburgh. Then they came down to Twickenham a week after and they had 60 points put on them. So they mentally weren't in the right place. Same players, completely different result. Obviously, they celebrated hard and rightly as they should have done after Calcutta Cup, but they've had now two weeks leading into this. This is, for me, oh, I said it last week, that was the biggest game of Scotland's, Scotland's history in the last few years. This is huge because they win away from home not only is this a statement, but it means going into the final round against Italy, they could still win the Six Nations. And that's not something we've said about Scotland for years. No, no, that, that, that is a, a much changed situation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, in terms of selection, they've picked, um, they picked the same team, Bar Blair Kinghorn, uh, who surely has the best name in rugby. Uh, but maybe the best name ever, <laughs> any, anywhere. So, yeah. um, so he's in for Seymour, who's, who's injured. And the Irish, importantly, have Furlong, Henderson and Ringrose all expected to be back. Uh, I mean, those are three big, big players for them. Oh, it's huge. Absolutely huge. And any, any guard that's come into their squad has always performed anyway. So we lost uh, Robbie Henshaw. Oh, not a problem. Bringing Chris Fowle. He'll get man the match. Not a problem. In steps Ringrose. Well, he's not half bad as well. I mean, a slightly different kind of player, but I think it might actually help them in fairness. So um, that matchup of him and Hugh Jones at the weekend is just one of many matchups. You've got Laidlaw against Conor Murray, Finn Russell, Jonathan Sexton. That's just in the backs alone. But, of course, Ireland have to be favourites. They don't lose many. In, the last time they lost at home was against New Zealand, and they're not bad team. Um, so their record's pretty decent at home. I just think the desperation for them to want to go and win this Grand Slam might just be the difference. But either way, from a Scottish perspective, I just hope they go out and play well. I really do. It'll be such a disappointment after how great they were against England to turn up at the Aviva and get blown away. I don't think we'll see that. I, I'm hoping that they play, play a really good game, but I, I don't know. I, I didn't back them the last time, did I? <laughs> so maybe, maybe I should go against everything that I feel, but I, I just think Ireland will be too strong at home. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic match. I mean, in terms of the momentum that the Irish would gather, if they took out the Scots and they headed to Twickenham, I know it's Twickenham. We all know Eddie Jones' record there as well. 
but where would your money be? We're, we're jumping the gun here to, to a couple of weeks forward, but where would your money be? Good Lord. Well, I think from an emotional sense, England have an opportunity to do what Ireland did to them last year, and I think that counts for a huge amount. Um, uh, if you can't win the Six Nations, and England will still be in a chance next week if they beat France, <sighs> there's one team you'd want to take the title away from would be Ireland, because they did it to you. They did it to you, and they parted like it was the last day on this earth, and rightly so. But oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly can't answer that question now. Right, we don't need to. We um, don't need to. You can do it in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> it's all right. Fence sitting's fine. You know, we, we know that's what pundits do. Yeah, it's tough. Where, where's your money on that? Ireland. Ireland. You, why? I just can't see enough holes for England to pick them apart and I don't think that the English game is sufficiently further forward from a year ago to be able, they might be able to get to the emotional pitch that they need and don't get me wrong, I think it would be a thunderous encounter but okay. I just, I'm just not entirely convinced uh, England's attacking shape I thought that was a big, big concern if we, we've dissected that Calcutta Cup match a, a lot but I thought that was a big worry and they've got to score tries to beat the Irish and I just think they're a little bit off. Uh, maybe, maybe it'll all turn around with a wonderful, flowing, cohesive display in, in Paris in the rain. <laughs> but something tells me that's going to be a dogfight. So, yeah. so who knows? I mean, look, it's a toss of a coin You're at this right, point. But there's not enough evidence uh, to suggest that Ireland aren't the favourites. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. But yeah, Twickenham's a different proposal, isn't it? Um, the last game of the weekend, Six Nations, is Wales against Italy. Loads of changes from Warren Gatlin. Yes, yeah, ten, the, isn't there? Ten, brilliant. Warren Gatlin, Warren Ball. Well, that's gone out the window. You know, he's not been conservative at all. What do you make by the team? I, I like it, Oogs, because it's it's fast. Um, I like the fact they're giving James Davis a run. I Finally, mean, yeah, it's taken a while, <laughs> yeah. um, but he will he will provide the dynamism that we see from him week in week out with the Scarlets. Um, him and Tipperick starting in the back row. I mean, that's a fast, fast back row. Right. And they will go hard at the ball. I think they will run the Italians ragged. We know that for all the improvements that we like to think Connor is making with the Azzurri, and I believe he is making a difference quite a lot further down the food yes. chain, by the way. Yes. Um, I just don't see them being able to compete with a top-level side in the last 20, still. I mean, I'm afraid that's where we are with, with Italy, for, for my money. Um, Faletau's back. Captain. Anscombe will be desperate to make a big play for that number 10 shirt. Um, we saw that he was more than capable on yeah. the opening weekend. Um, I, like, I like what he's done. I mean, I think it's quite, it's quite punchy from Gatlin because he's, he's pretty much... Well, he's, he's written off the championship because they can't win it. And maybe it is the right thing to experiment uh, and maybe against the Italians, you're afforded the luxury of doing that. But, I mean, is, if you're a more regulation member of that team and you're, you're expecting to get picked week in, week out, are you a bit grumpy or not? I think you would be. I think, with all due respect to Italy, it's a, it's a match you want to play in because I think you'll be confident you're going to win, an opportunity to throw the ball around and score a few tries, get a few under your belt. Um, do you know what? Wales finished fifth last year, massively underachieved in my opinion, a country that loves their rugby as much as they do. But regardless of where they finish, and I'm presuming they're going to finish higher than fifth, I think in many ways it's been a bit of a success. Um, 
through all the injuries they had at the start of the tournament, they had an opportunity to blood a load of guys that wouldn't have had an opportunity. And same again this weekend. So in terms of, let's look bigger picture now, yeah. Japan. Uncovering depth. They have an opportunity to be able to do it. He's been forced into doing it, but nonetheless, he's seen those guys under pressure. Patchell, brilliant round one. Okay. Didn't go so well at Twickenham, but that's all part of your rugby education. Now, Anscombe gets an opportunity. Liam Williams at 15. The Lions 15 is back in his preferred position. Let's face it, half pennies, wonderful, under the high ball, really good kicking game, but I doubt this game is going to be one on conversions. They'll want to rack up as many tries as they can, and they've picked the most attacking team that they could. And they've still got guys like Jonathan Davis to still come back into it. So I love the look of what, um, of, uh, what Warren Gatlin's done. And you're absolutely right, Ali. I think they will blow them away. And obviously we've got George North turning out, which has been a while it, it, that he started. And, I mean, you can imagine after all the, the barbs and the, the nonsense going on at Saints this week, he is going to be turbocharged, isn't he? Oh, of course. You know, if he rested himself to play well for Wales this weekend, then the boy better play well. You know, there's no point taking all that abuse and criticism from all different angles if you're not going to perform this weekend. He'll have a fire in his belly. He's a quality player. He really is. Rarely does he let Wales down. So I'll, if anyone's listened to this or the the millions of Let's people that download <laughs> to the podcast. Chuck a tenner on George North to score this weekend. He just will. I'm yeah. sure he will. Um, did you ever rest yourself? <laughs> I had a couple of convenient injuries. Falcons away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, yeah, my stipulations had to be on telly. S sold out and within the M25 and I, and I was there yeah it's in the contract if they look carefully enough the small print um, what about that we'll just briefly touch on, on the Italians and, and where we do think they're going or not going uh, have you spoken to Connor recently what, what's his verdict do you think on the on the championship so far because he's having to attend to Italian rugby as a whole isn't he and there's surely no better man no more enthusiastic man wow. to get that job done we all know that yep I think it's tough for him at this time of year where we foster a load of casual viewers. And so they'll look at the Italian team and think, they don't win matches. I heard a horrible statistic about Parise. He loses next two and that's 100 international losses. That's going to sting. Oh, my word. He deserves so much more. It's, and it's a shame. But I think we'll look at this campaign and go, we did pretty well against England. We challenged them. Our attacking games got a lot better. They didn't do too bad out in Marseille. They're still miles off the other nations within the tournament. But to your point, Ali, yeah, beneath that national team, Treviso, Benetton, so I should call them, they've had a pretty decent season. They've won more matches than they've ever won in a calendar year. They went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Toulon all bar a Tranduk penalty in the 81st minute to steal that away from them. So I think when I look at the Italian side, I can't just look at their national team. I've got to look at everything beneath. And as it stands, there's genuine growth within that system. Just, um, there's just time pressure on Connor to unlock it and fast-track them into the team and get them ready to play international rugby. I think we're learning, aren't we, that there is no fast-track for the Italians. And I think, I think actually... Above all, Conor O'Shea seems to be at peace with that notion as well because I've, I heard him saying only the other day that if somebody else comes in in two, three, four years' time and takes over and inherits the success from the system and the structure that he's and the standards that he's been driving lower down, certainly in terms of fitness, skill levels, all the basics, if somebody else inherits that, 
he's fine with that. Yep. And and that I think is a it's the measure of the man because we know he's a he's a, f- a fabulous bloke with with rugby in his veins. But it takes quite a quite a person to say that, doesn't it? Because he is at the moment being judged on Italian results and they're rubbish. But there's quite a lot else going on behind the scenes, which I think needs taking into account. Yeah, he's got a Teflon skin, hasn't he? You know, I think all the abuse don't really stick with him. He just has to get on with it. I think he understands what he's about. I think he understands... Well, I think his biggest fr- frustration is getting other people to understand as to where they are because they will just be judged on their, whether they win or they lose. But it's, it's a bigger job than that. And it is one of the toughest jobs, I think, in international rugby. You know, you can, you can compare a job with Eddie Jones to what he's doing. Completely different barometers, equally as tough. He's got less to work with. Right, Oogs, let's talk premiership. Um, five rounds left of the normal season. Can you believe it? Yeah, I'm thrilled. Yes. Summer holidays. <laughs> Summer holidays. I'll book one today. There Happy is days. light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> we love it so much, but it does... I'm kidding. It, it, I'm, it, I'm does, I'm it does take a little while to get to this point, doesn't it? Um, it's been a funny season in, in, in uh, some ways because the top two, by and large, have been Saris and Exeter. Yeah. Not in that order for much of the season. Was have also been pushing hard at various different moments after a poor start. Has there been quite a lot of unpredictability slash mediocrity in the midsection of the table? I think so. I think you've seen teams who you'd normally see at the bottom of the league, Newcastle, Sale, all of a sudden elevated into top six and Newcastle now fourth. You've seen the likes of Leicester really struggling up until recent. Northampton, where we know about their story, and Harlequins and other Talking about three superpowers, I'd, I'd consider them to be within the Premiership, not where they should be. But it just goes to show that if you stand still in this league, if you don't get your recruitment right, if you don't move your game plan on, other people will. They will, and they'll overtake you, and that's what you've seen. So has it been the most competitive league? Yes, I absolutely think so. It's been so unpredictable. We do a BT Sport predictor. Please join in. Make a mug of all of us because trying to pick the results every week is a nightmare. Right. Well, when you've got when you've got Worcester able to turn over Exeter at Sandy Park, <laughs> yeah. then you know you've got an unpredictable league. Yes. Newcastle beating Gloucester at Gloucester, and they haven't lost their all season. Not saying Newcastle not capable of doing it. They proved everyone wrong. If that's what you're thinking, but it is unpredictable. Seeing as you just mentioned them, let's let's quickly establish whether you think the Falcons are viable contenders not for the top four, because they blatantly are that, for the title? I think we'll definitely see them in a semi-final, but the semi-final is going to be away. Um, and if it's away to the Saracens or Exeter and they lose, there's no shame in that. There's absolute no shame in that. They've come a million miles from where they've normally been. Um, I can't see them winning the title this year. They've just taken a massive, massive step in the direction, which has been building for years Dave Warder, Dean Richards, 4G pitch. Look at the recruitment of players they've had. Man Moz, he hasn't started a game for them this season. He's a yeah. French international. I mean, well, that's, that's a luxury, isn't it? It really is a luxury to have that available to you. And, and of course, it's a victory for the slow burn, isn't it? Because yes. Seymour Curdy, the owner there, has, has put his faith in Dean Richards and said, you build it. Has he signed his contract yet? Don't know. He's your mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he is. Do you, want to, do you want to put in a call? I should text him. Shall I text him? I should think if he's, well, if he's looking at the premiership table right now, he'd be more than likely to get his pen out. Well, I reckon it's probably more, more the reason as to why he hasn't signed it. It's like, guys, I'm doing something pretty special here. 
whatever he was going to sign for two months ago has gone up significantly. Yeah, put another north on that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It'll be interesting, won't it? So they're going brilliantly. At the end of the, uh, the, the other end of the table, Irish, I mean, essentially they're doomed, aren't they? And, of course, yep. it was brutal on the weekend the way they lost to Wasp because, as Di Young even said, he thought the better side lost. And that, that's hard to stomach. Yeah, that's kind of been the story for them the last few weeks. I know they won against Worcester the week previous, but they've actually competed really well. Sell at home. I think Nick Kennedy, the coaching staff, will just be so frustrated. A charge down Tom Cruise. Well, that's the difference. When you are desperately trying to um, gather every single point available to you and you give away charge downs, soft tries and bases of the scrum, and it's costing you matches and essentially your premiership status, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard pill for them to swallow. They look like they're doomed, but I tell you what, had they have stayed up, it would have been a miracle. From day one, the fact that their budget is the lowest in the, in the league... Well, I feel sorry for the coaches there. And well, I'm they're just so inexperienced, aren't they? And, and brilliant blokes as they are. And as we know, they, they have that club absolutely right deep in their hearts. But you do feel, even with Brendan Venter appearing now and then, arguably perhaps not as much as he should have been, you just felt you needed a slightly more experienced hand on the tiller in their, in their return. Because for Nick Kennedy to cope with all of that, First up, as a 35-year-old DOR, that seems to me to be asking the impossible. Well, I, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. It's too much for Nick. It really, it, it really has been. It's been evident in, in terms of the results. But I don't know as to why London Irish, in October, in November, when they hadn't won a game in three months, thought, I'll tell you what, let's see if we can recruit someone, someone who, who has that know-how to just keep us up, to mentor. I guess they had it in Brendan. The guy just wasn't there. And that's the disappointing thing. Uh, along with their playing squad, you know, it was, it was a recipe for disaster. It's a shame because I think they're an important club to the Premiership. Um, but it looks like their destiny has been taken out of their own hands and their odds on to, for, for the drop. OK, so a couple of quick questions as we wrap up the, the Premiership um, chat. Who's been your player of the season so far? I know who your player of the month is. Do you? Craig Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, the bloke is just on fire, isn't he? And how good is he to watch? <laughs> He's great. He's incredible. Uh, what a turn of pace for a prop. I mean, he will be drummed out of the front row union if he hasn't been already. It's unbelievable. He was at Harlequins. I never saw that speed. Never saw that <laughs> speed. He's turned into a wonderful player at Leicester Tigers. But as to... I don't know. There's just, there's, it's hard to pick a player this season, but there's been so many nice moments. Jason Woodward, round one, that try against Exeter, Sonotti, Sonotti, against Exeter again. Yeah. So this is not <laughs> me just trying to slag off Exeter at the minute. Um, his try past James Shaw. Um, there's been so many nice moments. You, prob you probably have to pick someone like Sam Simmons in terms of breakthrough, wouldn't you? I'm yeah. struggling to think of anybody who's made a bigger impact who, who we weren't really factoring in on the radar in early September. Yeah, another surprise or breakthrough. I know he's injured at the minute. Jack Willis. Yep. He's been superb, but player of the season. Bit I think early. it's really tough this year, purely because even the top teams in the country have all had their dips and been out of form. If you'd asked me this in November, I'd have said Matt Tamua. Matt Tamua, 100%. He then and Leicester just 
went off the wagon for a couple of months and now he's back at 10 and playing really well. But he would be, I don't know if he's a candidate. I can't really give you an answer on that. I don't make predictions anymore. No, I know. We're, we're establishing that <laughs> rapidly. Um, okay, good. Uh, one last question then for you to sit on the fence over. Okay. Do, do the Chiefs retain their premiership title? Okay. I'm getting a few splinters here. Um, if Exeter get a home semi, they'll be in the final. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a cop-out. It's terrible, isn't it? It's such a cop-out, but I don't think I'm going to get an answer out of you, am I? So we'll just leave it there. Right, Anglo-Welsh Cup. Uh, we're at semi-final stage. Bath Saints uh, is on Friday. BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD Friday evening. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, it's Sandy Park. Exeter against Newcastle. BT Sport 2 from half past 12. Um, Oogs, these are some, some big-name clubs. Obviously, Northampton have been throwing everything into this cup competition because, of course, the league has been going south for them in a very big way. Could they pull it out? Yeah, I think so. The teams they've been putting out, as you've mentioned there, the team they put out against Harlequins in the last round, superb, nigh on a first team. So you can see the importance um, that it means to that club. Um, they have had an awful season. This could be something they could take out of it to end the season with a positive. Exeter against Newcastle. Exeter, well, we know they've won the competition. They have blooded some brilliant players. Joe Simmons, who started at 10, has come through this competition. But Newcastle already mentioned them, they're in top four, then the quarterfinals of the Challenge Cup, and they're now in the semi-final of the Anglo-Welsh. They win can win the treble! <laughs> treble they winners! Win the treble. So, hey, but Sandy Park's a tough place to go. Um, we don't know any of the teams yet, and that has a massive bearing as to who might win, regardless of whether you're home or away. But either way, two massive games Friday and Sunday. Yep, big couple of weeks coming up in the Anglo-Welsh Cup. Semi-finals, Friday, 7 o'clock, Bath Saints, and then Sunday, 12.30, Exeter against Newcastle, and the final, of course, the following... Uh, following weekend um that's it for the anglo welsh and that's it for the pod this week the rugby tonight podcast we're back on tour again next week we build up uh, obviously to the final round of the six nations so make sure you hit subscribe uh, to get the pod delivered to your device every thursday morning um thanks to ugo um, we'll be me. looking for some reviews, obviously, as well. Some nice ones, preferably five-star ratings. Ideally, ideally. I'm sure they've, everyone that's listened to this have loved it. Of course they have. Of course. Well, of we've course. told them they have. So, yeah, five-star rating. And we'll see you again soon. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next week. Cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.